Hello everyone, here is a new episode of our e-commerce podcast and today I'm here with Deshaun Gilles and he's one of the founders of uh, Summit Ridge Co. And uh, this is a uh, outdoor clothing company. For me, it's a very uh, exciting niche, partly because of my hobbies, but I think many of our listeners, they love hiking, they love it, this industry and also this uh, brand Uh, they rely on um, crowdfunding. So I think that's another topic to discuss. So I'm happy to have you here today. How are you? Good. Uh, it's awesome to be here and I appreciate you uh, inviting me on the show. It's actually my first podcast. So this is awesome. Amazing. So where are you located? Uh, we are located in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. So kind of north, northern U.S. Uh, in the Midwest there. Yeah. Very yeah, cold yeah. out. I know last week it was like negative 35 or it felt like negative 35. So it was very cold. Celsius? What? Uh, no, Fahrenheit. Oh, maybe it's even colder in Fahrenheit than in Celsius. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was uh, pretty chilly. Yeah, wow. So let's talk about this, uh, this business and let's talk about you a yeah. bit. So what's your background? Is it your very first business or uh, are you a serial entrepreneur? What's your background and, and what did you do before this business? Yeah, definitely. That's actually a really good question. I'm currently 27 right now. And when I was 21, I actually started a recording studio business in my local town and mm -hmm. uh, kind of started with that just because I was in college as well. And uh, the way I kind of learned is like, I need to put something to something to kind of Uh, engage with that feedback from college. So I thought, why not start a business? So whatever I was learning, I could incorporate that within and see the differences that can happen. Although it wasn't like super successful, I, I gained a lot of knowledge. It was more of a service-based company. So I uh, decided to close that down in 2020 just because of COVID and whatnot. Um, but then me and my cousin actually started Summer Ridge Co. And it was really just an Instagram name just because we wanted to put our pictures out. And that's really where the passion came about is from exploring and hiking in nature. And after a few times going out hiking in our local areas, uh, we started to like climb up these cliffs, cliff edges with no rope, kind of, uh, kind of, you know, uh, unorthodox way of doing it with no rope, but uh, it was fun for us. And that's where uh, it came about. And then we started taking pictures of these and noticed on Instagram, like, well, let's start to go to different places and actually start climbing. And that's where we took our first trip to South Dakota and um, beautiful, beautiful place in the Black Hills during the winter. And that's where we truly fell in love with the outdoors and like, the inspiration it gives you it's so freeing out there there's no phone no nothing it's just you and nature where you can really relax and kind of take it in and that's uh, kind of where the passion came from and then we realized once we started going into the mountaineering aspect of things like where it starts to get pretty dangerous on the stuff you're doing you got to have uh thoroughly thought out plans and whatnot to keep going we realized that these, this gear was very expensive, especially in the mountaineering niche of things. So, um, and they're missing some features that we thought would be very helpful as we're doing it. because we've been doing it for like four or five years at this point. So it's like, okay, well maybe we can add uh, different things. And by the way, 
during that whole time, Summer Ridge School was like a drop shipping company. So mm -hmm. we were really like kind of just, you know, picking out certain outdoor items, drop shipping them out just to see how that works until we fully realized that to actually scale the brand, we got to have branded products and actually create uh, products ourselves. So that's where that came in. And um, yeah, so it was kind of a combination of realization that we need the gear and then also like we're mountaineering, so we need the gear. And yeah, that's where the kind of the product making process came about. Yeah. So it all started as a hobby of you and your relative. And then uh, you you started with an Instagram account on social media. Yeah. You posted yeah. these pictures, it got some traction. And then you started building some products, a small business around it. And first with drop shipping. Yes. Yep. Yeah, first with drop shipping, just to see like, can we, and we were very amateur at that. It was uh, kind of, you know, we're just going to try it out, see how it goes. I was watching YouTube videos just kind of to see how Facebook advertising would go. And then, I mean, we didn't gain too much traction. There was a little income coming in, but it was more just kind of, it was almost like cool to have a website up pretty much at that point until we realized like we can actually start making these products through like sourcing agents and finding the right suppliers that are able to do the job and uh that whole process requires a little bit of almost like uh realism uh, like i don't know it's hard to explain that um that it's going to take a lot of work and to be able to do this but the outcome can be greater than uh, with that work on there. So, I mean, it really yeah. came from the passion, but uh, yeah, then came about the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. And where are you now with the product, uh, products? So yeah. is it still a dropshipping business or you changed on that? No, no, it's, it's completely all, we produce all of our products. It has... Um, and we're really not trying to be like an outdoor apparel company from the day one. We kind of wanted to be more niche down in the mountaineering and the apparel would come. So like mm -hmm. the apparel is meant for mountaineering and so like specified to 8,000 to 4,000 meter peaks that people are climbing and it's harsh weather thinking like it's going to rain, snow, blizzard. So we're really designing the products for that. And to kind of um, help with confusion, we created an Alpine Select line. And the Alpine Select line is specifically, like I said before, the for the mountaineers. Then everything else is Summer Ridge Cold brand, still for the outdoors. It's just uh, more regular apparel for the outdoors. And then to get even further into it is our gear, which is definitely coming soon. That's a little bit more on the harder end of manufacturing side so we're kind of going to wait for that but we do want to become like the ultimate gear and garment company for uh the outdoors so people are able to explore further into the backcountry yeah yeah so basically uh with this alpine selection or, or product line you target the mountaineers and i think that's really something more advanced so you know, mm -hmm. many people love hiking, but they don't go to a 6,000er, let's say, or right. to those huge mountains. And I'm pretty sure the quality must be probably the best for those products. Um, and then there is a much, you know, wider um, 
wider layer of people who who love hiking but they they don't go to the to mount everest let's say to the big yes. mountain and that's yeah that's a good question just because like when you do niche down into that because we knew we were gonna search for early adopters and innovators so the people that are willing to take a chance on our brand and uh that's where high level marketing comes into a very big key because you don't want to be spending money in certain areas where uh, it isn't performing right or you're not getting the right metrics yeah that's where like competitor analysis uh high level you know industry analysis before you go out and advertise just because we knew we were trying to we make the best products we can for the outdoors and with that amount of like high quality you also need high quality um like explanations on your stuff. So we knew entering into the field that these people, they're gonna be researching, uh, comparing with the competitors and whatnot. Uh, so the high level marketing is really came into play and just mm -hmm. to find these people that take a chance and see our vision, just like how we did when we first created our mountaineering jacket, ultimately on our uh, Kickstarter that we got like 125 backers and we appreciate them all. Uh, just to kind of kickstart our business and believing in the vision. And uh, now it's just creating certain uh, other Alpine Select products and then widening our inventory on summer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, crowdfunding in a minute. Before I yeah. want to ask you, how do you educate your, uh, your audience, your customers? Because as you said, there is a huge competition. There are many brands out there. Right in your uh, in your niche especially in the us and uh, you try to differentiate yourself and uh, with quality and different things how how do you do it yes yeah, so this is a, a that's a very good question it's actually a very tricky role just because there's multiple channels that you're able to do it on and that people are seeing you on so ultimately you really want to have on those channels different different creatives or copies just so they're getting hit by this side, getting hit with this side, getting hit with this side, uh, with you know advertising, and then ultimately, I think it takes like seven or eight times for a person to see something, and then yeah. they're like, okay, what is this? And if you do it right, they're not annoyed with the ad; they're just interested in it. So like that's where you get the swipe up or purchase or con conversion. But also to portray like all the information that includes in these high quality products, we found that a landing page just for that product with all the information on it, even if it is a prototype, just put the prototype specs on it and then uh, kind of advertise a copy that you create and the copy is and creative is probably the most important especially during digital advertising, let's say like on Facebook, um, just because the uh, attention span is so low, like it's like, I think eight seconds now and getting lower. Yeah. So the ability to capture someone's attention is the hardest part. And for our brand, our content requires actually being out in the mountains and actually like being in some of these harsh conditions so the content to get is kind of hard as well, but we, we go out there and do it. And that's where um, Summer Ridge kind of is really about that just because um, we started on a content side of things. Like Summer Ridge started really just video 
and pictures on Instagram just because I love cinematography. I love the way the camera movement, lighting, all that. So we try to make the best out of it, the highest quality um, content we can make when we are in the mountains and we do have to do these traveling um, portions. And that we seem to be the most effective when we go out and travel and do that just because it's like a use case. You're out there using the product in its natural environment where it's supposed to be. And also, since these are technology-based products, it's just a lot of, lot of copy. I know some advertisers kind of go against that just because a person, well, you know, you know they see all the text and they're like, okay, you know, yeah. and like they get bored with it. But we figured once we're uh, advertising to these high level people, like in our really down, like deep down niche, now these people are like encouraged to read that, you know, they want to know why the membrane releases a certain amount of heat while you're hiking, because that's what they're comparing it against the competitor to. So we kind of found a delicate dance in between, you know, copying creative, copying creative to see the best results. And we're still in the midst of testing. I think it will always be a, like a testing phase, especially with multiple product store. But uh, yeah, that's what we came to figure out to be the best. And uh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's a great example that you shared. So you go deep into the the features of the products, how they are different than others. And that's how you differentiate yourself. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that in this way you can also increase your price point because they understand why it's a better product yes and, uh, it's also interesting that you shared that you actually go to the mountains to you, you go to the ter- terrain to show people how the products work and yes. uh, is it something you regularly do you go out you go there where you know where the products should be used and you shoot the content there yes because the, the, yeah, Summer Ridge actually started on like this is a passion of ours of mountaineering. So we're going to do it no matter what. And now we just have like our products to be able to go out and test. So now when we're out in the mountains, it almost doesn't seem like work, but it is. So we put all of our like cinematography knowledge at heart and then go to it and then make uh, something great. And normally what comes out of that is we're actually going there to do a climb. So it's like almost like a documentary of the climb, but now we have our own product. Mm-hmm. So that content, kind of, you can kind of pick and choose out of that whole document to make an advertisement on this and that. And also, I think a key thing is to identify your unique selling points. So like mm-hmm. the most unique part about your product and why it is different. Let's say like Summer Ridge versus North Face, even like a big multi-billion dollar company is that I believe that we're able to innovate technology in t- inside, of the, inside of the product better than North Face just because I don't think they're able to take the risk just because they're a, a public company. They need to make standards and meet for investors where we're a little bit more nimble, startup in survival mm-hmm. mode. We can take the risk, in, incorporate something. If something doesn't work out, it's not gonna be the end of the, end of the year. Like we can yeah. nimbly move over and kind of, uh, you know, uh, break that market in a different way than what they're doing. Yeah, that's a great example. I really like this uh, comparison with the billion-dollar company. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about crowdfunding. Like, uh, how did you use it? 
Are you still doing it now? Are you planning to do it? And, and what was your strategy? And what was your goal with crowdfunding? Yeah. So we are currently still using crowdfunding. And I think for any startup, crowdfunding is a good way to get your name out there, brand recognition, and also um, minimize the risk of putting a product out there or having the inventory on hand. Uh, so like making the product itself, buying it and then getting it and then trying to sell it. This allows you to even have a 3D rendering, putting it, put it on Kickstarter, build your Kickstarter uh, video off of the rendering and then gain capital throughout or without even having the product. So you're able to have access to capital just from your idea to then create your product. And uh, we found it a very useful tool and I think we're gonna be using it for years to come, ultimately until it's very sustainable and the business is able to release products on its own just because of the amount of like pre-campaign emails that we come up with. But it's definitely here for years to come um, just because it's such a useful tool. If you think about on your website, if you build a brand new website, the traffic organically is not, you know, you're going to pretty much see zero just because it's a brand new website. But yeah. if you put your product on Kickstarter, Kickstarter gets millions of views, you know, every week. So the organic traffic also helps you with the revenue and just gets your eyes out there. And then a big key thing, if you are successful, you're able to leverage that to other platforms like Indiegogo and just kind of leverage that situation into better situations and keep the momentum going. Um, so we are, that's what we kind of did. And uh, we found the hardest part is to keep the momentum going, transitioning off to Kickstarter onto your website. So like we have inventory for our website now after our Kickstarter launch from our jacket, but the momentum it's hard to keep the momentum going once, let's say like, especially if your fulfilled date is kind of a month out to keep that going all the way until that fulfilled date and then start selling that product again, just because it's been months away. So that's kind of the challenge that we're dealing with right now, but we did leverage that successful uh, Kickstarter campaign with our mountaineering jacket and then um, brought it to our marketing company, which, our marketing company actually helped us throughout this whole process. And that's where that system kind of developed through email campaigns and uh, gaining a pre-email campaign list before you launch. And that company is called Launchboom. They helped a lot, um, I mean, through marketing and how to identify your target market. Um, so we use them and they developed the system of kind of gaining that pre-campaign emails having an email flow to identify, you know, when the launch date is certain perks. But the key thing is on our landing page, once they signed up, they were able to put a dollar deposit down and that dollar deposit, if they did put it down, then identified they're more likely to buy during mm -hmm. the campaign. So yeah. that was, yeah, became our VIP list. And once your VIP list grows to a certain amount of people, that's where it kind of tells you, okay, we are able to launch on our deadline date because on the first day you'll see a, a mass amount of people coming in to buy it. And that was kind of the key trick to keep that campaign momentum going right in the beginning. Yeah, actually that's a great tip that uh, you 
get their credit card details. They deposit $1 and uh, it's not about the money, obviously, but uh, it's about the trust that uh, that they gave you because if they spend money with you, I think that's the ultimate trust. So Yes, yep. And yeah, um, yeah, I think I think it's a great tool and I would have to give credit for LaunchBoom for that that idea. They're a great marketing team and we're continuing to use them. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been it's been a great, great, uh, great journey, I guess you can say up to that point, even because after using our successful campaign, we we then entered into a 100K pitch competition with Launch Boom, and then we were able to actually receive first from that. Our, it was our Dragon V1 tent, which is a solar power tent. We're still in the works of it, but we do have a prototype, and everything is working very good during our testing out in the Alpine and out in the mountains so far. Um, but after winning that, we were able to use the prizes appropriately and get better suppliers, kind of minimize our supplier list down to a few so they're able to incorporate all the features that we're mm-hmm. uh, putting into the tent more easily and then uh, kind of using that and now marketing for to build that pre-campaign list. So it's like a big circle almost where like that campaign was done. Now it's the next innovative campaign and the next one. And then it's almost like a revolving circle. Yeah. Um, and once you get that system down, the system is the hardest part to figure out like, okay, this worked, this didn't work, this worked, this didn't work. And once you do find like a, a, a good system going on, that's where you can kind of run it up and get better and better each time. Yeah, that's great. Uh, what uh, platforms and what ways have you used to get investors and backers? Yeah, yeah. So that that is a, another good question. Just because capital is hard to access as a startup company, for sure. And that was one of the biggest, you know, struggles in the beginning, for sure, is gaining access to capital. And you don't have to have like a big successful. $200,000 Kickstarter or Indiegogo campaign to be able to leverage that. And they're even looking for 20,000. If they see, especially mm-hmm. if you're profitable, if they show a certain amount of profitability, that's where you're able to leverage your campaign, even if it wasn't enough to get loans or capital or go to investors and say, we raised this much with the budget that we had, we believe with this amount of budget and give them, you know, all the KPIs and all the metrics to make the decision. But, the more data you have to be able to go to someone, I believe is the is the better because they're just going to be more informed and able to trust you higher and a higher regard. Um, so I think we use Kickstarter right away just because we found organically that it was a little bit better mm-hmm. uh, or we're, we're told. But Indiegogo is right there and they just added features that um, put it like right next to Kickstarter. So it's hard to pick between the two. If you do go with Kickstarter, you still can use Indiegogo uh, through Indiegogo in demand. So if you have a campaign and you want to go on Indiegogo, it just charges a little bit more of a fee and then you can go on in demand. And that's almost like your website where you can continue to sell uh, continuously. So you don't even have to shut it down. There's no deadline date. And that's kind of nice too for people that don't have a website right away or you're in the works of building one that you can just put it right on indie uh google in demand and then continue to sell if you have momentum uh so that was very nice to be able to do yeah 
Have you tried any other platforms than these two? I think you mentioned this competition as well. Um, like the the launch boom competition. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, so Launch Boom is like a marketing team, and they actually mm -hmm. help like individuals. And ninety-nine percent of Kickstarter campaigns, which is you know startups pretty much, instead of big agencies yeah. that you know only help a million-dollar companies, they're helping all the little guy and helping you, giving you the knowledge to be able to go out and do it and have a successful campaign. So that was uh, yeah a good platform, and they have all the resources to be able to. I mean, videos and uh, office hours where you're meeting with a whole community about your mm -hmm. product page and uh, about your product, how to manufacture almost every single um, section within a crowdfunding campaign. They go over it with you. And I, that was a big help to be able to do it because we were going to launch just on our website, going to launch just a package and um, I believe it would have been done okay, but not nearly what it did on Kickstarter. So yeah, they kind of gave the knowledge, the right recipe for success. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I'm just curious what's next. So you will use this system multiple times in the future. I think you mentioned earlier that uh, when we talk for the first time, next year we'll, you will do Kickstarter again. Right. So yeah. is it something you will do again and again, use this system and iterate and learn? So yeah. what's, what's the plan now? Yeah. Yep. So like iterate through each one and learning is the big, best thing to do. So in 2023 in May is kind of a deadline day. And that's when we're going to launch our solar power tent that we won that uh, pitch competition with um, on Kickstarter. So that's an exciting time. It's been a lot of work grinding to be able to even get to this point, but it pays off just because we leveraged from that first one. We asked our backers what they would like, and they actually answered what they wanted, which was the tent. We innovated the tent a little bit, and now we're seeing great results just because those people asked for that. We made it, and then we also put some cool features in there with that. So our metrics are also starting to look a little bit better. So I believe as you grow, people start to trust you more and then you get social proof, your socials grow, yeah. uh, you get reviews, then yeah, that's where you see kind of more exponential type of growth just because that trust is there and you're not fighting to get for it once uh, on your second one. So yeah. I, yeah. And then also with Kickstarter, your backers see that that's your second campaign, you know how to run it. And uh, yeah, again, there's that level of trust there. Like, okay, these guys are actually doing it. They had a successful first one. And uh, to separate you from other successful campaigns, I've seen is answering back to your backers. So the people that I gave you my communication, right? Yes, yes. Like answering back to those people if they have questions or even if there's problems, I found out if you if you tell them the problem what's going on they they generally don't care they're just happy that they told you that there's something going on like let's say there's something with covid the deadline got pushed back uh, a week or you know something to do with the stitching or if you tell the backers sooner than later it's going to be better no matter what because i just seen that people uh, kind of you know are just happy that you they told them and you're keeping up to date uh, with what's going on with the campaign, especially I, I try to uh, update every single month 
and answer back to every single comment. Uh, yeah. And you mentioned that uh, there needs to be seven or eight touch points until the point where they buy. And uh, if you do this, that's one more touch point. So if you communicate with them regularly, even if it's sometimes a negative news for them, I think that's still better than uh, not saying anything. And, you know, they they are not aware of you. So I think uh, it's also some kind of marketing, uh, providing a good su support and communicating with them regularly. So it's crucial as well. Yes. Yeah. And that's a good that's a good point for like the marketing standpoint just because if you are marketing and people are commenting on your stuff like what's the price or what's the square footage what's the weight and you answer and you give a good answer of like in depth of that becomes your faqs so frequently asked questions yeah. where people aren't going to ask that anymore because they read it like on the comments so it helps you in both ways even if they do comment something negative like that helps you in both ways if you uh then kind of you know say why why it's not negative or why you know yeah. it's different from where the way you're thinking it you know like uh so that came into a big big <laughs> as well yeah so you mentioned email marketing and how you use it i think that's probably the best channel to you know to take people from kickstarter indiegogo these platforms to the owned marketing i i like this term where you know you have the control mm -hmm. and i think email is a crucial tool there and how do you use emails like how often do you email them what kind of messages you send them you also mentioned this vip list and uh, they can deposit one dollar i think that's that's a great idea but what else do you do when it comes to emails and talking to your uh, backers yeah um so we use mailchimp and we actually converted over to Clavio, but for the for the Kickstarter campaign, we still use Mailchimp. And we found out uh, for at least a campaign is not to email them as much as if it was for your website and they subscribe on your website, just to not bombard them with stuff if it's not close to your campaign list. But yeah, email marketing comes into a big play. I believe I had read a study I think it's like 80% of people buy from like emails and email, like emails are a big part of marketing over digital, over everything. And once you gain a big enough list that becomes free, like you have a free source of, you know, uh, people there that you can contact and generally loyal customers. Um, but the marketing strategy is kind of different for both for like the pre campaign list we have a general specifics of like you're welcome welcome aboard and then any little updates in between the campaign but generally we just kind of let them stagnant and stand stagnant until yeah. um that two three three to two weeks away from from the launch day that's when we hit them every single week maybe a couple times a week with I guess coming up this day, just giving updates about and information about the launch. Um, and that is pretty effective just uh, to improve kind of the drop off rates or uh, unsubscribers, just so you're not hitting them with a bunch of stuff. Now, let's say if they subscribe on the email, which we actually haven't been doing, uh, just because we've been updating the website, getting everything already, like 
completely already. And now we've just hooked up Clavio where, you know, the welcome aboard emails and abandoned cart, and then also kind of the email flows that go along with that in Clavio. And um, you can kind of make that custom with the email flows to how your business operates because it's going to be a little bit different. But the biggest thing that we found is that at least they're automated. At least you have something, some automation that keeps you like your time minimal on that sense when things are working. So like when things are working, you don't have to touch that. It's all automated. It's all good to go. And that was uh, a big big uh, point so you're not spending so much time you know sending out each and every single email now if someone does email you back that's where you can personally email and that's uh found to be good but as far as emailing yeah that's kind of our strategy that we're doing right now we're definitely going to ramp up our email strategy once uh the website is completely finished and and pushed out so yeah 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 it makes sense and uh I think uh, regarding automations and, and these flows, it's called flows in Clavio. I mm-hmm. think that's that's a huge thing that uh, you can trust the automation. You set this up once and then it will work, not forever, but almost. So it can right. work even for yeah. years and you don't touch them and it can work very well. You mm-hmm. can sometimes maybe test and change different things, but it's pretty much automated. and. Uh, even today, I think not that many things are automated uh, well, as, as we think. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one part. The other part is, I think you mentioned that um, with, with your emails, when you have a big email list, and of course it takes time, but once you have it, you can generate money on demand because you send yeah. out an email campaign on Black Friday or you send out these email flows you have 10,000, 100,000, maybe more subscribers, and it generates a huge amount of money. And that's why these businesses are valuable. Uh, One of the things that buyers, business, uh, you know, when they buy a business, they check how big is your list, how engaged your Mm -hmm. list, because they know if you send an email, it will generate money. The question, how much? So yeah it's 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 huge to build a solid email list yeah and that's where like engagement rates and open rates that's where those metrics start yeah coming into play and can make effective decisions on certain metrics and what yeah yeah yeah. i have one more more question so what would you advise to those ambitious business founders who want to go to crowdfunding, what would be your number one tip for them if they want to make it successful? Because there are so many campaigns yeah. out there, but if you check them, I don't know the percentage, but I'm pretty sure that most of them, they are not very successful. So mm-hmm. it's not easy to stand out. What would you tell them? I would have to say, if it had to be one thing, make sure whatever you're doing, you're passionate about, because the passion is what drives you know, 80, 90 hours a week to be able to pull this stuff off. And like when going on those platforms, you're coming on as an entrepreneur, fresh out the gate, you know, like it is a tough world. So like, it's going to take a lot of work and it minimizes it looking like work when it is your passion. So like when you're working on your passion, you just feel good about it every single day when you get up. So that I would say, make sure you're passionate about whatever you're doing before entering into a business or an industry. Yeah, that's great. 
I honestly, I expected something more technical, but I really like how you, what, what advice you gave. So it's more about the passion and then it, it will drive you through everything, right? Every mm -hmm. obstacle that you can face. Cause you're going to, you're going to be in those thoughts, you know, like, I don't know if I can do this or it's going to be, you know, up, down, up, down. And if it's not something you care deeply about, you're like, you're leaning towards the side of quitting more. But if you're passionate about it and you want to actually become successful and do this, that's where the motivation comes because that's, uh, you like have a sense of purpose, you know, like that's your fire yeah. to go. So I would say that would be a big one on just overall, like before you start, make sure you're passionate about it and ready to put in the work. Yeah. 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 That's great. So thanks for uh, thanks for this call today, for this podcast today, uh, Deshaun. And if anyone wants to find your company, where they should go, what are the, the domains? Yeah, you can go to summitridgeco.com or summitridgeco on anything like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Um, we also have some cool like expeditions that we have on YouTube that you can go and watch. Um, and also the Dragon V1, the landing page is on our website. You can go check out that and how we incorporate solar power technology and lights and whatnot. Um, so anything with Summer Ridge Cohen, you can pop that in Google and should pop right up. Amazing. So thanks again. And uh, thanks everyone Thank who watched us today or uh, will listen to the podcast. Every week we come out with a new podcast episode with e-commerce founders and marketers. And also I will put a link into the description. And if you go there, you can download a 50 point checklist and it helps you to uh, improve on your uh, email marketing. So thanks again, Deshaun and everyone who listened to us. And uh, take care. It was awesome. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you.